You are now listening to Hack My Age, the show that brings you guests with information on how to make yourself hard to kill and help you live to 100 and beyond in good condition. I'm your host, Zora Benamou, a digital nomad currently stuck in Spain, certified sports nutrition coach and master student of gerontology at USC. I am the creator of the Longevity Master Plan, an online program to slow aging and author of the cookbook, Eating for Longevity. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review to help others find us too. This episode is sponsored by Primadine, a supplement that if I had to choose only one, it would pretty much be this one. It's because Primadine is spermidine, and this has been shown to activate autophagy, which is super important, and it's basically a cellular cleanup and recycling process that declines as we age. When we get older, our cells accumulate a lot of junk and a lot of waste, and this isn't really great for us, so we need to clean it up. So if you want some research, go to primadine.com, and you can see all of it supporting cognitive health and heart health, hormone balancing, and long and strong hair, nails, and eyelashes by using spermidine. So another very important reason why I love primidine in particular so much is that I've never had received ever as much feedback about a product as I have with primidine. Literally several times a week, someone reaches out to me on Facebook or Instagram with an amazing testimonial. And most of the time it's about improved sleep. So I can honestly say that I can 100% be convinced now that primidine is the best spermidine supplement you'll ever find. And you can try it with a 15% discount by using the code Zora, Z-O-R-A, on primadine.com. And that's P-R-I-M-E-A-D-I-N-E.com. Now enjoy the show. Welcome. Um, So today we are going to talk for the next 30 minutes about uh, autoimmunity and how to hack it or reverse it or manage it with Leslie Kenny and Amy Lamotte. These are my favorite biohackers. Um, Leslie Kenny, if you can raise your hand, is a certified health coach, patient advocate, sexologist, and founder of Oxford HealthSpan. This is a nutraceutical company promoting a healthier, longer life for everyone. And Amy Lamotte is there, and she is the managing director of Valot Nutrigenomics Limited in Hong Kong. She is a clinical nutritionist and researcher specializing in personalized nutrition, nutritional genomics, nutrition for anti-aging, circadian biology, and the microbiome. She's got a master's of science in human nutrition, summa cum laude, from the University of Bridgeport and JD from Yale Law School. So everything that we're going to talk about today about autoimmunity, um, we are just sharing our own experiences and information regarding autoimmune disease. And we can't give advice or comment on any individual cases. So there's a little disclaimer for you guys. Um, take everything um, that we say and, and, and you can ask questions at any time and uh, we'll wait for the end of the call. So without further ado, welcome Leslie and Amy. Hi, Thanks, it's Zora. great to see you, Zora. So um, to let our listeners know a little bit about your background, can you please share, uh, you can start with Leslie, uh, what is your experience with autoimmunity and when did it start and um, how you've been, what you've done to it? Okay. 
Uh, so in 2004, I finished work uh, for a startup and I had been working, you know, 24 seven, uh, really run myself into the ground. And that's what you do in your thirties because you think you're immortal and uh, that your health is an infinite resource. I went to the doctor feeling that something wasn't right with my hands. I had a lot of pain in my hands. I couldn't turn doorknobs, faucets, cut with scissors. I was having trouble typing. And uh, the doctor called me to say, your results are back. Can you please come in? And that's always, you don't ever want to have the doctor say that. Please come in to see me rather than give you the information over the phone. So. I went in and she told me I had lupus, which I had never heard of before, that there was no cure for it, that there were medications that I could take to manage it, that I also had rheumatoid arthritis and that I could take other steroid, uh, non, there were non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs and I could inject myself with these. So I then was on Humira and Enbrel I got huge boxes. That's how it works in the United States. You get sent these big boxes with these uh, these in injections that you give to yourself daily. You give them to yourself in your belly. And after doing that for about a month, I thought, I don't, I just don't like this. I just didn't feel it was right. And perhaps because my grandfather was a doctor in mainland China and had learned to deal, had learned to use traditional Chinese medicine. Um, during the Great Leap Forward, other times when they didn't have access to Western medicine, I thought, you know, I think I need to look for other answers. And because there were no answers in Western medicine, I thought everything is on the table. So I found Dr. Barry Sears's book, The Anti-Inflammatory Zone Diet. He's a researcher at Harvard Med School. I did that to a T. Uh, and I also did something, two rounds of something called intravenous immunoglobulin therapy. Uh, each of those was around 12,000 US dollars. At the end of this period, I did say to my doctor, can I please take the test again? I know you say that I have these two diseases, uh, but can I take the test again? Because isn't it, po isn't it possible that they're false positives? And she sort of gave me this sympathetic look like, oh, right, of course, you'd like to have hope. Sure, we can do this again. So I did do the test again. I think it was, it was somewhere between the three and six month mark after I'd started the diet, after I'd done IVIG, I took the test again. And she said, well, look at that. You don't have these things anymore. Hmm. And I thought, well, would you like to know what I did? And she said, no, that's okay. It's oh. obviously a blip. What? And I thought, that's terrible. That's terrible because I could have been on these drugs for the rest of my life. So I've since calculated that if I'd stayed on those drugs since 2004 up till now, I would have spent almost uh, 800,000, $850,000 US dollars because they're wow. $5,000 a month. Oh my goodness. That's if so you don't have insurance. The, that's what she said you had lupus. And what was the other one she said you had? Rheumatoid arthritis. Rheumatoid arthritis. Wow. This is in the US, right? Yes. Okay. So then what did you do? You just, I can't believe well, she didn't. I didn't she have it interested. anymore. I've, 
what, what, what you did. Of, but I think that's, it's, it's very, yeah. doctors have such limited time. I don't, you know, I don't think that doctors are disinterested necessarily, but they have a lot of demands on their time and their, their schedule is packed. They have a lot of admin in the United States with insurance claim processing. They have a lot of expenses. They really need to get through, get people through the door quickly. Mm -hmm. So since then, I've been on a very strict diet. I've been on a gluten-free, dairy-free diet. I really make sure that what I eat is incredibly clean. Food is the foundation of everything for me. I take a lot of supplements. I get regular blood tests. I have blood tests done every six months. I check my, uh, my C-reactive protein levels. I check my cytokines, my tumor necrosis factor alpha. Uh, I check that once a year. It's very, those are very expensive tests. There aren't a lot of labs in the world that do that. And I'm just on top of it. So mm -hmm. for me, everything is about prevention. So and this is... This is when you were in your 30s, right? You found this out. Correct. And now and you're I'm in your 55 50s. now. Okay. Yeah. So I was probably 34. 30, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was in my 30s and I'm 55 now. Yeah. So I want to go a little bit more into detail about your treatments, what you've done. But before we do that, I want Amy to share a little bit her experience with autoimmune disease. And, um, and maybe you can explain some people who maybe not even know what that is and who are listening. So if you get a brief explanation and then, and then what happened to you? So there are many different types of autoimmune disease, and it just is when your own immune system is attacking a tissue in your body, and that can take many different forms. So in my case, I had something called Hashimoto's disease, which is an autoimmune thyroid condition where your immune system is attacking the thyroid gland. So your thyroid gland then cannot produce the amount of thyroid hormone that it needs to function properly. And my story is similar to Leslie's in that, you know, I was much younger when I had my first signs of autoimmune thyroid disease. So I was 18 years old. It was after my freshman year of college. I went out to Vermont to do a job for the summer. And around the 4th of July, I got this huge swelling in my neck which at the time, no one really explained to me what was going on, but now I know that that was a goiter. And I was basically told, oh, you know, when you get back to college, go see a doctor. You know, I saw a doctor in Vermont, but then they said, when you get back to college, just go see your doctor and, you know, see what they say. So I did that. I went to the University of Iowa, where I, I was going to college, hospitals and clinics, now the home of the famous autoimmune warrior, Dr. Terry Walls. And I got tested. I don't remember them telling me anything. And they said, you're fine. And that was it. There was zero follow-up. So that was when I was 18 years old. It took me 16 years to get diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease. So finally, when I was 34, after the birth of my second child, I got the diagnosis from a really smart GP who also happened to have a master's degree in endocrinology. Mm -hmm. I, and that's when the real work started in my case. So I got the diagnosis, but it was a doctor who you know, the, the kind of standard thing with Hashimoto's is that they say, well, your body's not making thyroid hormone anymore, so you just replace it. And that's all we can do for you. Hmm. 
And so I went on for at least four more years, I think, until I discovered um, the work of Lauren Cordain and the paleo diet. And that's when kind of everything started to move for me. And I got so interested in nutrition and later on the health of the gastrointestinal tract that I went on to do my full master's of science in nutrition. Hmm. And, you know, in the process reversed my own condition. This is amazing. I think this is, it's just something that uh, actually that was on NPR this morning, I heard there's a, a great podcast on called Bodies. And this is about people who are exactly in your positions who are told by doctors that there's no hope, there's just take all this medicine. And in fact, they have to investigate and follow up. But I can't believe it's taken you at 20 years, more or less to figure this out. Um, and this is, I hopefully in this podcast and this Zoom call, we can actually help people actually take more control of their own health and, and reverse whatever it is that they have, if possible. And both of you, Leslie and Amy, have talked, um, it seemed to me that you've got the biggest part of this is your diet. And, um, and you as a nutritionist, a clinical nutritionist, and, and Leslie is a health coach, um, can you tell us a little bit more about what is exactly, what do you think it is exactly? Is it just food or is it, and if it is, then what exactly, what's the protocol you're following? If somebody's listening right now and has auto, some kind of autoimmune disease, what can they do? What can be helpful for them? Um, well, in my um, case, I have studied it now, both you know at school as a master's degree, but I've also studied with the Institute for Functional Medicine and when I work with clients, it's a combination of factors. So we start with the diet and we often start with an elimination diet. The goal is not to be on a, on a very strict elimination diet for the rest of your life. The goal is to find out if there are any foods that are causing this autoimmune reaction. And that's, you know, the gold standard is the elimination diet. So that's a key part of it. I also focus a lot on, on proving gastrointestinal health because we know that in autoimmune cases, there's usually a genetic predisposition. There's usually some kind of intestinal dysbiosis or intestinal permeability. And then in addition to that, there's an environmental trigger. So we know that kind of model of most autoimmune conditions, which actually comes from celiac disease was the initial model where they sort of figured out how things work in most cases of autoimmune disease. But then from there, you have to really personalize it. So with my clients, we start with this elimination diet we really work to improve the health of the gastro gastrointestinal tract. Mm -hmm. And we use something called a 5R approach, which you might've heard about before. Mm -hmm. um, tell us, actually first tell us what, what is the elimination mm -hmm. diet? Cause some people don't know what that is. And how long do you do that for? And then- Well, it depends on, to be honest with you, I often personalize it, but obviously there are the usual, um, you know, the usual foods that people react to, the gluten, the dairy, the eggs. Um, in autoimmune disease, it's often foods that are very high in lectins that are a problem initially. Things like legumes. Legumes happen to be one of the highest foods in lectins. Now there are ways that I can teach my clients to prepare those foods so that they, you can eat them, you can kill the lectins effectively. You can soak them, you can pressure cook them. There are ways to prepare these foods that traditional cultures have been doing for years that we've kind of forgotten about over time due to convenience, that we can, we can do that, you know, to remove the lectins from the food. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so yeah. how long would you general, so there's, there's eggs, dairy, legumes, 
Um, anything else that you're, what else do people have to, to eliminate? Sometimes the squash family can be a problem for someone and the nightshade family. So like okay. I said, it's really personal and, yeah. you know, I, I work with each person to, to build a different program, mm -hmm. but a lot of people are sensitive to nightshades. Mm -hmm. Um, and some people are sensitive to the squash family okay. and the lectins in these foods tend to be in the peel or in the seeds. And if mm -hmm. you cook them, it's very helpful. Mm. So there are, there are, there are ways that, you know, first we, we usually eliminate for three weeks and then we reintroduce some of these foods. Now, in some cases, you're never going to reintroduce, you know, if someone has celiac disease, of course, I'm not going to reintroduce gluten, yeah. you know, or some people for personal reasons may decide, even if they don't have celiac disease, they don't want to reintroduce gluten into their diet. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. some of these other foods that are really beneficial, like legumes, like some of these vegetables, mm -hmm. you know, if we learn how to prepare them properly, if we heal the gut, they're mm -hmm. often well tolerated. So legumes for some people, you know, English sometimes isn't their first language. They were listening to this. Those are beans and, um, and like garbanzo beans, kidney beans, lentils, those kinds of things. And gluten, when you say gluten, we're talking about things that have wheat in them. So bread or pasta and, um, you know, uh, what else is there? Um, <laughs> cookies and all these other things. I'm assuming sugar is probably something as well you eliminate. And of, of course, again, it has to be very personalized as well. But um, so that's the big nutrition part of it. And what is the five R's? Because I interrupted you right there. So the five R is, I think, a work in progress by the functional medicine world, but it can really help. So it is... Um, it is remove, sorry, remove, which is remove things like gluten that are potentially causing a problem. It is replace. So some people have a lack of digestive enzymes. So you're replacing those if they are lacking. It is re-inoculate, which means, you know, the, the healthy bacteria that some people are lacking because of overuse of antibiotics. Um, and repair, repair the intestinal permeability if that is an issue. Mm -hmm. And then the fifth R, which when I originally started this, there were only four and now there are five. The fifth one I think is really important because it's called rebalance. And I have seen in my clinical practice that people with autoimmune disease tend to be like kind of type A high stress people. I mean, obviously not everyone, but a lot of people are. And if you put in that kind of address the stress aspect of their personality, it's very helpful. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So actually that brings to mind the, the, the mind body connection and gut issues and gut health, right? So how does gut health play a role in, in, in this, maybe this type of personality, but also in, in autoimmune disease? Um, and how is that connected to the mind? What are you seeing at least in your practice? Um, I mean, gut health is, is so foundational to any autoimmune disease. So, you know, if you, if you have suffered from an autoimmune disease and your doctor is only addressing your symptoms and giving you medications to manage that, they're missing a fundamental root cause likely of your autoimmune condition. Mm -hmm. So you really have to address gut health and this, you know, symptoms might not be obvious. Mm -hmm. I never thought I had gut issues when I started this process, mm -hmm. but you know, they can sometimes be very um, low grade symptoms mm -hmm, that you've mm -hmm. had for years that have just become part of your normal existence. Mm -hmm. And you almost don't realize that you had them until you eliminate them or improve exactly. intestinal health.
So, okay, let's jump over to Leslie as well. And can you share, Leslie, a bit about your protocol, what you've done to help reverse autoimmune disease and any tips you can give people who are listening now? Um, well, I work together with a doctor on Harley Street. So I'm, unlike, uh, unlike Amy, I'm certified nutritionist. So I can only work alongside my clients who work together with a doctor. So the doctor does the blood panels, blood, stool, and urine panels, uh, is looking to see if there's any small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which can lead to intestinal permeability. I've noticed that there seems to be an issue with people, women who've been on the pill. I don't know if Amy has noticed that, but um, these individuals often do eat a lot of sugar. They do have a lot of gluten and dairy in their diets. They can have individual triggers such as almonds, which can, that will have lectins as well. That's why I always say try to get activated nuts if you can. Uh, they will have uh, often nightshade sensitivity and it could be potatoes, it could be tomatoes. It's not always the entire family of nightshades. It seems in some people, it's just one thing. Uh, one client was just sensitive to tomatoes, but it had a particularly good tomato crop, had been eating tomatoes all summer, raw tomatoes, and then got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah. So uh, the protocol is, as Amy said, elimination diet and constant testing. You, uh, you, know, you can have allergy testing done for certain foods and then obviously do that removal of the kryptonite, reintroduce it, see how you feel. You know, our bodies are the best, the most intricate feedback loop computers on the planet. And we know how we feel, right? You feel like crap. If you've eaten something, you can sense it. And it's not always within the first few hours. It could be a few days later. So you do need to keep a food diary so that you can make those correlations. And then testing for cytokines, tumor necrosis, alpha, those kinds of things. That's very important to make sure that you're not having a uh, you're having a flare. So what would you Anything, say would be a general, like if somebody says, if they suspect they have autoimmune disease and they go to their doctor, what test would they ask for? Well, they'd certainly check for any kind of sensitivity to gluten, right? So like to see if they're celiac. test, more or less. Well, you can do food intolerance. You can also do genetic testing as well. And you can see if you've inherited one or both of the alleles for celiac disease from your parents. And you can also see you know, something similar for dairy. Uh, then of course the allergy testing. I would also say that uh, you know, the, one of the things that you can do if you suspect, but you can't go to a doctor, just eat an anti-inflammatory diet, mm -hmm. something high in omega-3s, I'd strip out the seed, the really nasty seed oils that go rancid very quickly. I would focus a lot on extra virgin, high quality, extra virgin olive oil, uh, high quality fish oils. And uh, I'm sure Amy has you know, more specific 
things mm -hmm. than that. But what I will say is that the Harley Street doctor I work with, she really does something that is bio-individual to the patient. We are each different and unique. That means that our triggers will be different. Me to you, you know, it's not just all women can't eat this or all women of a certain ethnicity. It really is unique to your biology. Hey, I'm butting in for a quick second. If you enjoy the content brought to you in this podcast, consider supporting Hack My Age by becoming a patron on patreon.com. This is where you can drop a tip or become a member for the price of a coffee. Members get special material, free coaching, and private Zoom calls. Join us by going to patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash hack my age. Thanks for your support. Now let's get back to the podcast. Does autoimmunity affect more women than men? It does. It does. Uh, isn't it eight times more common in women uh, mm -hmm. than men, Amy? I can't remember. I don't know the exact statistic, but it's significantly more women than men. What do you think is the cause of autoimmunity other than maybe some genetic factors, like you said? Um, like I was trying to say before, they know now that people who get autoimmune disease usually have some kind of genetic predisposition. Mm -hmm. So like in my case, my great grandmother had colitis and my father and his sister have Crohn's disease. Mm. So there's a very strong family predisposition there. Mm. Now that doesn't mean that I'm going to get Crohn's disease. Like if we look at the HLA DQ2 and HLA DQ8 genes that Leslie was talking about, which are the genes for celiac disease. Mm -hmm something like up to 40% of Northern Europeans carry those genes, but a much, much smaller percentage of people actually develop celiac disease. So it's this combination of genetic predisposition, something with the microbiome being not 100%, and then an environmental trigger. Like the perfect storm so like you be, need. <laughs> so, you look at, so you look at celiac disease, you know, obviously the trigger is gluten and someone mm -hmm. who has this predisposition. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's usually combined with a high level of intestinal permeability or intestinal dysbiosis at the same time. Can you explain and, you to know, some people who are listening also, what do you, what is intestinal dysbiosis and permeability? I know you could maybe figure it out, but maybe quick uh, dysbiosis right. just means that you have a, a, an imbalance of good bacteria to potentially pathogenic bacteria or fungi in the microbiome. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that could be because you've been on multiple rounds of antibiotics that have wiped out all your good bacteria and you don't eat fermented foods and you haven't done anything to try to replace those beneficial bacteria. Mm -hmm. And then the permeability is and permeability is well known as quote unquote leaky gut leaky gut um, that is when you know the the tight junctions in the cells that are between the intestines and inside the body so it's funny because you know we always think of the intestines as inside the body but actually it's a tube that is supposed to be outside the body Mm -hmm, you think about mm -hmm. the tube that goes all the way from your mouth to your mm -hmm. anus, that is technically outside the body. And the job of the immune system is to make sure things that don't get in, don't get in. And so if something, you know, if there's a lot of permeability in those cells and things that are not supposed to get into the body, get in, that's when the immune system um, gets angry. This is really good. I've got a question um, from Christina who says, I'm overwhelmed on finding where about to go and ask for a hair test or blood test, which the GP in the UK will not do for me to find out what my body is missing as the only thing my GP comes back to me is that I'm anemic. I've lots of gray hair since I was 20 and now 44 and gut issues and sore hands. Um, it, it looks, 
could be like it could be rheumatism. Okay. Any, any um, since she's since Christina's in the UK, I'll um, I'll just address this. So um, the National Health Service in the U in the UK is fantastic for very basic things. It's terrific for acute care. For chronic diseases, it uh, it is challenged, and I do think that as a patient, one has to be extremely proactive. I cannot think the number of times I went to get blood tests here and everything was normal. That's partly because the reference ranges, which are based on everybody else within my age group and gender group in the UK, I don't know how much undiagnosed autoimmune conditions there are, but they are, you know, I'm sure there are some in there who are considered normal. I would go to a functional medicine doctor if possible. And these doctors you can find on the Institute for Functional Medicine website, the IFM website, look for your country and your city, go to one of them and they can run the test for you. Now, I know functional medicine doctors have been criticized for over-testing. In, for me as a patient, I would rather look under every single rock to find the root cause than simply address the symptoms. And uh, this is an investment in my health. I need, you know, I have, if I, I would have taken those drugs, I would have been out almost a million US dollars at this point in time. So it's sort of penny wise, pound foolish to say, oh, uh, functional medicine doctor, all that testing, it's expensive. Your health is priceless. So I would urge you to get the testing done to really find out what is going on inside your body and do the full panel you know, not just blood, but stool and urine, because then you'll be able to see what's also happening within the intestines as mm -hmm. well. If you do the, the, the uh, gut biome, the stool test, right? And with the urine test, you'll get more information about hormones. Yes, go to the IFM website. That's my, that's my recommendation. Oh, that's really good. So that website is where the functional medicine doctors are, more or less. And Christine, another thing you can do, you can always get in touch with, um, with uh, Leslie after this chat and um, you can connect with her and, and, um, and maybe work with her or maybe she can recommend somebody she knows um, because she is in the UK and, and has that experience. So, um, and I think it's a great question to ask her later on about gray hair because she's the expert. She's got no gray hair at 55. So I think there's something, something there <laughs> she can tell you about. Andre, Andre has asked, how do you recommend appro to approach this with a doctor rheumatologist who is not on top of it and do not mention anything regarding nutrition. I feel like lots of doctors rather push medicine and treatments. I think part of the problem with autoimmune disease is that doctors don't receive any education in nutrition. Mm -hmm. So the tools they have available to them are medications. That's what they know. And that is one of the gaps right now in treating autoimmune conditions is that there's a lot you can do with nutrition, but the doctors don't know how to address this. Now, Andre, in, in your wife's case, I would highly recommend, you can look on the internet, there's a lot of resources about the autoimmune paleo diet. That is the you know, initial elimination diet I was talking about. You can start there. I mean, you don't even have to test. You can start with that diet, you do a trial, you'll see right away if some foods are causing issues. Um, and then you know, on the gut side, Obviously working with a functional medicine doctor or a functional medicine nutritionist is helpful because that's slightly more complicated, but you can start with the elimination diet yourself. 
Um, I think, and, and advice for everybody who's listening is um, these are two great people to get in touch with if you are concerned about autoimmunity, um, if you would like to try elimination diet, if you don't, you just don't know where else to go, a great place to start is with Leslie and with Amy. Or if you want to connect with me, I'm also able to help as much as I can because we have Zoom, then we can do this no matter if we're in Hong Kong or the UK or Spain or Italy or New York, it's all possible. But I think the key is to have someone who is who is able to walk you through this, hold your hand. Of course, you can do a lot of things on your own, which is great. And I think all these recommendations, these websites, we should be able to, it's a great place to start. But if you feel like you need more explanation, you need more uh, accountability, uh, you need someone to really talk you through and someone then to recommend other great physicians uh, that we all know of, please don't hesitate to get in touch with any of us. And I want Amy and Leslie, if there are any final uh, things you'd like to share or say about autoimmunity that, that would be very helpful for people listening. Um, what I would like to emphasize, I guess, is that you, know, you, you have us as your biohacker Zoom, which I think is really funny. And when people think of biohacking, they think of like tech and gadgets and all this crazy stuff. But when I think about it, it's really just taking responsibility for your own health. And you know, the, the traditional form of medicine has sort of the doctor as the expert and you as just sort of doing whatever they tell you without really understanding what's going on. And I think you know, when you make that step, when you cross that bridge and say, I'm gonna take responsibility for my own health, I'm gonna make sure I understand what condition I have, you know, what are the best options to treat it, that will really get you far. And if that's calling you a biohacker, then I'm all for it. <laughs> Excellent explanation. Absolutely agree with you 100%. Leslie, what are your final thoughts? And, um, and actually, one thing you both can think about, I want to ask you, what is the most important thing that you two do every single day to hack your autoimmunity? So Leslie, let's start with you and your final thoughts as well. Um, well, my final thoughts are that similar to Amy, I do think that, that we patients need to meet our doctors halfway. I don't think they, they certainly don't have silver bullet answers. And in my attempt to meet my doctors halfway, I actually ended up going all the way and reversing my diseases. Uh, I did not reverse my Hashimoto's because the Hashimoto's had already taken almost uh, it had destroyed almost seven eighths of my thyroid. So sadly, I didn't get there in time for that. But we must try to meet our doctors halfway because lifestyle interventions are within our control. Sleep, diet, movement, social interaction, reduction of stress, it's all basic. We all control that. Mm -hmm. And it impacts our health in a great way. That leads on to what do I do every day to keep my autoimmunity in check? Uh, I tried, I tried to do all of those things, optimize my sleep with my aura ring, right? You know, I'm always sharing with Amy and even you, Zora, my sleep scores, my deep sleep scores, yeah, <laughs> our tribal ring. And um, uh, I eat clean. I haven't been, I don't eat sugar. It's just not interesting to me anymore. I've lost my taste for it. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I do all of those things. I walk my talk and uh, just stick to the basics every single day. Excellent. And so what is the basic thing that you do every single day that if they have to choose one, what would you say? It's got to be it's got to be the anti-inflammatory diet for me. 
-hmm. So high healthy oils, omega-3s, olive oil, uh, low inflammatory food, avoidance of all my kryptonite. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Amy, what is the one thing that you do every single day that you could recommend? Well, like Leslie, I try to do it all in the lifestyle medicine, you know, range, but I love my nutrient dense anti-inflammatory diet. Um, to what Leslie said, I would add functional foods for optimal gut health. So a lot of the prebiotic foods, um, fermented foods, bone broth, these kind of foods that can really help um, give you really strong gastrointestinal health. Oh, excellent. I'm drinking my bone broth every day for that collagen, those joints and everything, <laughs> but a lot, of, a lot of other great benefits. We could do a whole other talk on that. So thank you so much, Amy and Leslie for joining us. And I hope to see you soon. Thanks, Zora. Bye. Thank you, Zora. Bye. Statements made on this podcast have not been evaluated by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Anything we say or products we mention are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information provided by this podcast is not a substitute for personal medical advice and not intended to replace a one-on-one -on -one relationship with a qualified healthcare professional. It is intended as a sharing of knowledge and information from the personal research and experience of me and my guests. Hey, did you enjoy the podcast? Don't forget to subscribe to be notified of all the new episodes and leave a review to help build the tribe. It's a small act of kindness that brings me big benefits and helps others find this amazing content. The best thing you can do is share. Sharing is caring.